am, uh, it's been, a, it's hard to believe it's been a year since Pastor Jeff and I did the transition and it's gone pretty quick and I just want to give a shout out to him for doing an excellent job in transition and he's not here but we can thank him and uh, for me I've been still doing things in missions for AFCM, I'm uh, AFCM's Association of Faith Churches and Ministries and I'm on their executive support team as well as uh, one of the regional directors and so because of the shifts and changes, they've been asking me to be involved with different things. And so at the end of the month, I'm going to the Amazon. And uh, that is to Iquitos and then to Santa Clotilde. And uh, that's, we're flying into Lima, Peru, then take a small plane over to Iquitos and get on a small boat and go an hour and a half to an island and go across an island on motorcycles and then get on this boat and go seven and a half hours up the river to where this conference is. And so... We're going to be there for about uh, six or seven days in, in uh, the Amazon and then come back to Iquitos and we're recording uh, some Bible school stuff, Spanish, English to Spanish. I'm doing uh, servant leadership and relational Christianity class for the Bible school. So the missionary guy that's usually part of that, he's having surgery and he asked if I'd take his place, going with a great guy, Todd Rowan, a friend from Montana, and I'm just looking forward to amazing times. So pray for us. If you want to help support a pastor, it's only like 25 bucks to get them on one of the river boats to the conference and feed them for a week. But there's, uh, I don't know, 50 or so pastors coming. Uh, what our association did, this was in the late, early, late 80s, early 90s. We helped build this Amazon Ark. And some of you, if you've been around a while, are part of it. It's a 40-foot 40, 40 long by about 25-foot wide two-story boat with a deck on it. It was assisted by a seaplane and speedboats, and that thing went way up the river and did medical missions and shared the gospel and helped raise up leaders. And now there's, I don't know, 50-some churches up and down the river and hundreds of believers that will be at this conference. And so it's an exciting thing what God's doing around the world. Amen? And uh, we're part of that, so thank you for praying for that. All those that have supported my GoFund this past year's, because usually we raise funds for that. AFCM uh, doesn't have funds to handle all the stuff they're doing. So uh, it's an exciting opportunity. So thanks for prayer. And they said there's a generator that goes from, is on at 6 to about 10 at night. And then that goes off. And they said, and then the jungle comes alive. And so uh, pray for me. <laughs> We're in this series called Wisdom for Life. Pastor Jeff's done a great job laying that out as he balances the different parts of Scripture. And over the summer here, wanted to get in Proverbs and, and to just work on another whole like section of Scripture that deals with wisdom, wisdom for living. How many think wisdom's a good thing? Yeah. Scripture says it's the principal thing. It's the main thing. And I was reading again in Scripture, this was in 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, David is turning his kingdom over to Solomon. Solomon's got some huge shoes to fill, and uh, God appears to him at night and said, Solomon, what do you want me to do for you? I'll, I'll do anything for you. And Solomon's request, he said, God, give me wisdom. I need wisdom in how to, how to govern these people and rule these people as they go in and go out. And that phrase just means about their daily life. I, I want to help them with understanding Scripture says because he asked for that, God gave him every other thing. And we read later, and he built libraries and zoos and buildings. And man, when he asked for it, God gave it to him liberally. And Scripture says if you and me lack wisdom, and James, let us ask, and God would give freely to us. He wants us to be wise people. Do you believe that? 
Tell your neighbor, that's you. No, he, he wants us to be wise people and use wisdom. This is what I love, and I think it's 1 Kings chapter 6. God said this. He said he gave Solomon a largeness of heart as the sands on the seashore. Largeness of heart. Sometimes we operate maybe with this much capacity, but think about the wisdom of God that just expands our capacity to understand and to learn and to work and to grow at work with insight and even, even how to get along with people. And so that's what I'm picking up today, relational wisdom on how to get along with people based on the Psalm chapter 1 and, uh, and just a passage in there. So we're talking about the path of wisdom and relationships this morning. Psalm 1, if you have your Bible in front of you, I put it on the family Bible here. Come on, let's read this together, can we? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So Pastor Jeff's been unpacking that. He's been talking about those first three warnings that God says first. There's an invitation for you and me, men and women of God, to be blessed. And then he tells us how. And, and in telling us how to be blessed, he starts with some warnings about not, who not to walk with and who not to sit with and who not to hang around. And then he prophesies to our future. He said, if you do these things, if you meditate on these things and receive these things, your future's looking good. You're going to be planted like a, a tree by the river. So drought and circumstances around us won't impact us because we're planted in the right place. Amen? And our, our leaf won't wither. In other words, you're going to stay fruitful. You're going to stay fruitful in every season of your life if we just yield to the instruction here in Scripture. And then he said, and whatever, say whatever, whatever he does will prosper. Wow. That's an amazing promise that you and me, as we seek wisdom and, and operate in it and practice it, and the things we put our hands to, the things we get involved with, God said there'd be prosperity there, that we'd have insight, it'd be fruitful, it'd bring a return, a return on your investment, a return on your time. I don't know about you, I want to live that way, and I have to say I've been experiencing that, I've been able to live that way as I've sought God and pursued God. He, he does touch the things you do, and, and they prosper. And that's a good thing. Amen? So let's look a little bit about this first patch, passage here. This underline, it warns us about sitting with the seat of scoffers. It tells us about who to walk with, who not to walk with. So it says don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or don't meet and hang out with sinners, those people that are missing the mark and their hearts constantly going another direction. But it tells us who not to sit with. Don't sit with the scoffers. And scoffers, some translations say scorners. Some translations say mockers. But, but here's just a couple of passages. Job said this, my friends scorn me and my eyes pour out tears to God. And this is what I saw as well that just struck me. Scorners set a city aflame, but wise men turn away anger. Now, some of you got some notes, and if you do, just follow along with me because we're going to give some definitions to some of these things, but... Here, here's what it means to scoff. It means to insult or ridicule with the intent to undermine or devalue a person or an institution, often because of a personal sense of superiority. People sitting in these seats, 
mock values, background, race, and heritage. So, so scoffers and mockers, it's implied that they're taking kind of the high seat and looking down at other people. They're taking this high seat of understanding and wisdom and that they know more and they know it all, and they're sitting and they're pointing their fingers and scoffing or scorning those which they might deem as lower intellectual level or wrong side of the tracks or your, your position, your opinion isn't valid. They scoff. They make fun of. And unfortunately, in our culture, that's become a whole industry. Uh, that's part of the entertainment industry. There's, there's talk shows set up just to scoff the other side, just to scorn the other side. We just traveled yesterday from Grass Valley and, and up by Sacramento. We're relocating Jan's dad, and I had AM radio on and a couple of other talk sh- shows or programs. And, and just in there, the us-against-them mindset, especially now that we're ending into another election cycle, the, the scoffing, the scorning, the attacking, the attitude towards one another and, and pointing at your opponent and doing inflammatory things to undermine their value and their character, scoffing and scorning has just become part of the normal dis- dialogue and exchange. So the idea that we could have just meaningful dialogue over your position and my position, we could discuss those things and we could say, well, I don't agree with that and this is why, and we would persuade with just our, our positions, that's not so much the thing anymore. It's got to be us against them. And I know why, because as a culture, we're kind of numb. As a culture, politic- politicians see to get people away from Facebook, to get people away from video games and Netflix, you almost got to create a crisis. You got you to gotta get them inflamed or passionate or they won't move away from their stuff to even engage. So we got to create enemies. We have to create us against them and paint a picture of them that looks really negative and everything about them is distasteful and undermining and against America, against your values. You have to paint a certain picture to move people in that direction. And without that, we go back to Netflix and the Food Channel. And, 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 and we're, we're just not moved and motivated. So... Culture and, and media right now, they're, they're inflammatory and they're accusatory. And it's in the culture. The problem is it gets in the church. And the problem when we have the scoffing attitude and the scornful attitude, Scripture predicts what's going to happen to us. Our roots won't thrive. We won't be planted by the river of water. When we're in that scornful seed and that scoffful seed, things start drying up. And I've watched it in people's lives, and I've sensed it even trying to get on my life. Am I talking just to myself this morning? Anybody recognize that a little bit? So I just don't want to harp on the, the negative. Let's talk about the positive. Let's talk about honor for a few minutes. Because that's the negative of, of the opposite of scoffing. That's the antidote. That's the anti-venom to scorners and scoffers. As you and me as people of God begin to walk in honor, to display honor to show honor to one another. Amen? Let, let's define that. Honor looks different, and in, in that word honor is used differently, and there's different definitions in Scripture. But the, the one, that, one word that I like is kabod. And kabod means weightiness. <clears throat> it means that it has weight. So when I think about honoring God... I think when I I honor you, Lord, and I say that to you, I say, you have weight in my life. What you say matters. 
Because you have weight in my life, you, you can move me because of the weight in your life, the weight in your word. When I say I honor your presence, it means that I'm doing things around because I like the weight of your presence. I like, I like what happens when you show up, Lord. And so when I honor you, I'm saying that your opinion matters, your ways matter, how you see things matter. So when we're saying, God, we, we honor you with our tithes and offerings, we say, Lord, we invite you into our finances and we recognize you have weight in the decisions we make and choices we make with our finances. Lord, I want to honor you and my family. So, Lord, how you say to do family, how are we supposed to treat one another when I honor you? I'm saying, God, that has weight in the decisions I make and how I tra- treat Jan and how I treat my kids. On, honors, not only this, honor, it, it's a hard attitude. It's different from respect. Respect is the outward action, but honor is the inward heart motivation. So Jesus said, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So honor means to value. Honor means to see the good in other people, to see that they're made in God's image, that they're valuable to God, that, that he, he has plans for their life just like he has for my life. To honor means that they, we all started as kids, right? And as we're growing up, there's dishonor and things that have happened to us and attitudes changed. And some of us, we've had tough times and we carry just attitudes that, that, that are maybe dishonorable. But honor sees the true value, the core value in somebody else. And so for you and me, we're called to, look at that, honor all people. What? Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We're going to look at that in a few minutes. How do you honor people that maybe have been a little dishonorable? But honor means worth, to give worth to. When we honor God by declaring him worthy, we're declaring all those things about him, that he has weight in our lives and our decisions. When we begin to make him Lord, we honor and affirm his authority. And so honor works this way. When we honor and respect the authority that God puts in our lives, we receive from that authority the good thing God puts in there. See, when he tells us to honor our father and mother that might go well with us and that you live along on the earth, how many have heard it the other way? Dad's saying, if you don't honor me, you're not going to live long on the earth and it's not going to go well with you. Well, the other side of it, God says, if you do that, you're going to be blessed. If you learn to honor authority and the things that God put in your life and my life instead of the high cost of dishonor, which means you have no weight in my life. So if, if I'm talking to Aaron, we've been friends for a long time, and I watched Aaron grow up. He's an honorable guy. He's, he's an amazing man of God. And I watched him from youth group grow up. And, and when I say, Aaron, I honor you, it means what you say influences me, man. And, and how you live your life, I don't know if I say it enough, but it impacts me. How you uh, relate to your son and how you treat Denise. And I honor you for that because it has weight and impact in my life. But this is what dishonor is. You have no weight in my life. You have what you do doesn't impact me. I don't really care about your story. I don't really care about your history. I don't really care what's going on with you. The high cost of dishonor is broken relationships. The high cost of dishonor in our families and with our kids and that, that it breaks off communication. I was listening... When I was in Oregon, I did the men's camp thing, was listening to Christian radio when I was rolling to the camp, and there was a lady talking about just father's impact on their daughters and saying, if you want your daughter to open up and have conversation with you, then you need to show honor towards her and model honor towards her. 
not talking down to her from a place of superiority, but asking her questions about her life, asking her how she feels about certain things, not telling her how she feels, but see, honor listens. Honor's paying attention to the other person. Honor's trying to, re to understand their perspective and where they're coming from instead of writing them off because they're this party or that party. Honor respects the person and listens and tries to glean. This gal saying, when you build your life where you're opening up and you're allowing the young person to talk and you're hearing what they're saying and you're not just talking down to them from that superiority place where it feels like scorn, but valuing what they're saying and where it's coming from, it builds a culture of honor in your home and in your house. Dishonor starts this way. I don't really care what you said. This is what I told you to do. Now, there's times for that, for sure. There's times for that, and we've had to exercise that. But honor is the idea that, hey, I care about your heart. I care about how God made you. My son Josh is going back to school, and he's going to mechanical engineering at 27 years old. He's going back to Cal Poly. And he and I, well, he's doing most of it because he's the mechanical engineer. We're rebuilding a Honda 360. It's the first motorcycle I had. We bought a, a junker, and he's down. He's got it down to the bearings, man. He's starting over. And so we're in the garage yesterday, and I'm just talking to him about life and his marriage. And, and man, there's just something that grew in me. This, this, this young guy has become a man of God, and, he, and he's amazing. He's amazing, not just because he's my son, he's Jan's son. That's what makes him amazing. <laughs> but, but what he thinks and, and how he's doing life. And to be able to show him honor like that, and, and I feel it come back. That's one thing about honor. When you show it, it'll come back because who you honor, it's reciprocated. God said this, he who honors me, him I will honor. And so there's something reciprocating. But people that go through life with dishonorable attitudes, you know what you bring back on yourself? You bring back dishonor. And so for you and me to change the culture, we need to be people of honor. Amen? And I'm so off my notes, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. <laughs> honor and humility. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom, and before honor comes humility. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty or proud, but humility goes before honor. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. So for us to be scorners, take the high place, talking down to people, judging them just about just how they're doing things. And let, we'll talk about discernment and how to help people. But that destructive attitude that's just scornful and mocking, and you can just jump on the bandwagon and go sit down and attack this person or that, attack that person. I've watched what that does in my heart. And I'm trying to guard my heart. I can jump in and sit down w with different political persuasions and that, I can get in that seat real easy and just spart, start sparting. I'll be careful with my words here. Start spouting <laughs> sarcasm and just verbal attack here. And, and, and I know what that does to my heart. So scripture says the way to honor, it, it's through humility. It's like, no, I don't know it all. And I do understand and receive from you that you got a piece. You got a part of the story. You've got things that you've seen and done. You know, part of it is this labeling, how quick we label people. We were at a conference, and this couple are missionaries to America. They came from East Europe. She got up in the conference to tell what she's doing. And she said, when we were leaving, and she named the country she was leaving from, Eastern Europe Company, we were looking at pictures, and we were seeing all this white trash in America. White trash. And she's talking about the homeless people that are on our streets. 
And so they started a ministry to these people, but the idea that you would just call them white trash, and we labeled people. I don't know about you, but when I hear that white trash, that's pretty demeaning, right? But just like we have names for other cultures that we can throw out that demeans and undermines and, and shows dishonor for them, being called white trash. We have ministry to white trash. To me, that just kind of devalues the whole thing right there. How about we have ministry to the potential sons and daughters of God that have been broken and lost on the way. And our, and our goal is to lift sons and daughters of God, not just to sweep up white trash. So how we're saying things from our heart, how we're labeling things, makes so much difference in how people receive and how people are, are encouraged and nurtured. Anybody with me? So I have just opportunities to exercise this. As I've been talking about, I've been praying about this stuff for a while just because it's been bugging me. But this is my last trip to Nepal. And on the left is Rima. And Rima and I were on the same, the first plane, no, when I went from Kathmandu to Sirkat, I was supposed to have the window seat because I wanted to fly. We were flying over the Annapuna Ranges, which is part of the Himalayas, and it's the two highest peaks, no, second and third highest peaks in the world. We we're going to fly over them. I wanted the window seat. I got there a little late, and Rima sat in my seat. And so we start talking. She speaks good English. She's a dental student in Kathmandu. And, uh, you know, she said, I know this is your seat. Do you want your seat back? And I just felt like, oh, give her, give her your seat. I'm still looking over her shoulder, though. So in a little while, she gives me part of her chocolate bar. And then we start talking. And I'm going to speak to youth in Nepal, and I know nothing about their culture. And so she's Hindu. The Dashan festival's going on. It's this dark festival that they celebrate all over. And I start talking to her about Dashan and what it means. And pretty soon, we strike up a dialogue. And there's like just this mutual respect from where she is. She asks what I'm doing there. She's curious. Now we're Facebook friends, and see, she's all my postings about Jesus and what's happening, and I see likes. Our, our other Nepali friend just got married in a Nepali wedding. I sent her the little video clip they produced because I'm so in seed in her life. And that, that can only happen because of there's like a mutual respect or an honor there. The middle guy, Raj, he, he was in Kathmandu, and I had some time to burn the first day there, so I gave him 50 bucks to take me around in his little taxi and show me historical sites. Pretty soon he asked me what I did, and I got to tell him what I did. And then there was a little relationship. He's a businessman there, but he's, he's Hindu. We have different backgrounds. But just this, this idea of being interested and listening and all that, now we're Facebook friends, and I see him liking my Jesus stuff on, on my Facebook post. Last but not least, this is Sayed. He's the guy that I showed up in um, Guangzhou, China. I had a 15-hour layover. And I think I've shared that story. And, and on the 15-hour layover, the, the airline says, you know, for 30 bucks, we'll uh, give you a tour of the city. You get lunch, and then you get a hotel room. You can rest and, and uh, shower before you go. I said, 30 bucks, great deal. So I show up for the tour with a Chinese guy. Nobody else shows up but Saeed. And he's an Iranian businessman from Tehran, Tehran Iran. And so when we first come together... And, where are you from, California, America? Hmm. Where are you from, Tehran? Hmm. This will be interesting. <laughs> Next five hours. You know, you know what happened? First, we started talking about our families. He's got three daughters. He wants grandkids. I got five of them. Tell me what it's like. He spoke good English. Tell me what it's like. So we talked. Where else have you traveled? He tells me. I tell him. 
we're Caspian Sea. You need to go to the Caspian Sea in the fall. And he starts telling me, just groundbreaking stuff. So what do you do for a living? He said, I'm in business. What do you do? I'm a pastor. Hmm. Hmm. But before long, every place we go to take pictures, come, come, come. I'm in pictures. I'm, I got like eight pictures, me and Saeed, in front of these different temples and monuments. And there at the end, we're having lunch together. There's something about him. Because when we began to talk and I heard his story, and we talked about Trump and the embargo, and we talked about their fear of Israel and, and our position on Israel, and we talked about Christianity, and we talked a little about Islam and those kind of things. But then at the end, all of them, except for Facebook friends, he wanted to be, but he said, because of your position, they'll, they'll censor you, and I'll never get your posts. And it's true. I tried to, and I got this little thing came back on Facebook. But one thing he did, he sent me pictures of Iran, the first snowfall they've had in 20 years in Iran. So there, there, there's a connection, and I'm finding this, instead of prejudicial judgments, but in Christ to say, this guy could be a potential son of God. This girl could come to know Jesus. She's influential. She's in dental school. And, and we, you, me, might be the only connection to Christ that they know or they'll meet. And so how we honor or how we judge has a lot to do with will that heart connection happen? Will there be an opportunity for the gospel and for the kingdom to come when we choose honor over dishonor, when we choose to, to value versus undermine and demean because of our course judgments based on history or stuff that's happened. Are we okay? Anybody with me? So this, this is what Jesus said. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there'll be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions. They're worldly-minded. They're devoid of the Spirit. Wow. He knows our culture, what we're in right now. These are the ones who cause divisions. They're worldly-minded. They're devoid of the Spirit. But you, but you, tell your neighbor, it's you, you and me. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves where? Keep yourselves where? In the love of God. Waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. That, that is tough to do right now in our culture. Keep myself in the love of God. When everybody else is acting that, not me, I don't act that way. Everybody else is acting like idiots. And I'm supposed to keep myself in the love of God. How do you do it? You got to pray in the Holy Spirit. You got to pray in the Holy Spirit. God, give me wisdom in these situations. Let me be an ambassador for you, Lord. The times we're living in, God, it's, it's uncertain. Help me, Lord. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep me, God, in the spirit of your love. Rather, at the seed of the scornful and the sitting with the mockers. Lord, help me keep my right heart and my right attitude so we're building bridges and people come to know you. Amen? Don't, don't sit, sit in the seat of the scornful. If you do, you won't bring forth fruit in season. and Your leaves will wither, and whatever you do shall not prosper. It's almost the inverse, you can say, because I've, I've watched that happen. I've watched believers and their attitudes deteriorate from the good report and from being excited about the Lord into just going into that seat of mocking and, and scoffing. And I've watched what happened in their life, and I know what happens in my life. And there's a young man not here, not in this area. I've watched that happen. 
when even some things in church got disillusioned with church, got very critical about church, church life, what goes on in church. His focus was on the things that are negative and the wrong. And he, he got into this place of scoffing and, and mocking. And right now, he's not connected. But when I see what's happened in his life, trouble finding a good job, trouble with just other relationship stuff, it's, it's just withering. And I see that's because where you're sitting right now, bro. You got to get up from the seat and move. You got to get up from that chair and you got to get back with the body. You got to get back in, in community and not just staring at all the things that are going wrong. I'm just so glad God doesn't stare at all the things that are going wrong. If he did, he'd push the button a long time ago. He would have hit reset a long time ago. I would be an ash heap somewhere if he was just looking at things that go wrong instead of what he's doing and what's going right. And so the seed of the scoffer just is looking at the negative, 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 talking about the negative. Man, I, I, I know we're supposed to be informed for sure and pray and prepare. I know those things, but what wars in me is just always staring at the negative and getting bitter and scornful about that stuff. I don't want it to happen in my heart. Amen? So what do you do with the dishonorable? There's, there's another passage I like better than this thing about honoring all men. The one that says, give honor where honor is due. I like that one. That, that's a lot easier. Because where people are honorable and where people are treating you a certain way, it's a lot easier to show honor back. But how about the people that are dishonoring? What, what do we do with them? Well, for me, especially this sitting around where it goes on, I, I got to set default or just look at my defaults and set new boundaries. Because by default, often when people get in political negative conversations, I can jump in real easy. When they're criticizing this party or that party or that position or this thing or those people, man, I got opinions built because of just media training. And so I got to discern my default because by default, I can go to that negative conversation, but I know what it does in my heart if I stay there. And so I got to set new boundaries. And just say, I, you know, I might want to be in political discourse right now. You know, where I really get agitated is with atheists. And because I was studied geology and growing up in geology in the 70s at San Diego State, I was scorned a lot for being a Christian when evolution was just in full bloom. And now there's so much good material on intelligent design and on creation that it's easy now for me to get scornful to them. And to say, what a bunch of, you know, hey, April Fool's Day is your holiday. Ha, ha, ha. And and, and, because scripture says a fool says in his heart that there's no God. So, but then Jesus said, don't call anybody fool. So anyway, I I have to work on that. I need new boundaries in my heart because I've been scorned by that group of people. And And I like the debate. And there's times for discourse and debate. But it's when it's undermining people's values. And when it goes there to you fool, you idiot, you, those kind of things, which I was pointed out in that direction. I still remember my paleontology class, San Diego State. One day I felt like the Lord said, put on your Christian T-shirt and go to class. And it's on the back of my shirt. It says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Lahaina Christian Fellowship. My friend in Maui sent it to me. So I put the shirt on. I walk in class. There's probably 25 people, mostly guys. And I still remember the look as I'm walking up the aisle. <laughs> you know, 
who is this guy? But the one thing that happened, Dave Dean was in that class. He turned to be, he was a chameleon Christian underground. He came out when he shot my shirt and we became great friends. But that scorn, that attitude in some of those science things where scorn means looking from that high horse down, well, that's in the science community in a big way. And so I still feel I get triggered there and I got to just set boundaries with where I go. You also got to consider the source. When people are being dishonorable towards you, you know, there's, there's often there's hurt and pain in their own life. And so it's hard for some people just to show honor because by default they scowl and take shots at other people. And that just, uh, you know, gossip comes out or criticism is just the first thing to come out. So I, I got to give a little grace there. Consider the source of people who are being dishonorable to me. Hurt people hurt people. The other thing is modeling honor. So what do I do? Well, I can't really determine or control what you do, but I can try and stay in a place of honor. And I can set boundaries, and I can say when, you know, man, I, I used to go there so easy, but it, it just upsets my own heart and count, countenance when I jump into that negative stuff. And so I just got to back off. I've just got to model it, what it means to honor other people, show respect for other people, show respect for people with different uh, political views, you know, I, I still love the discourse there and pro-life stuff. Jen and I were in front of, um, I should be careful with this one. We were in front of Planned Parenthood and we were part of a protest and a local politician who I know from other circles walked by when Jen and I were in front there. And she said, I can't believe you're out here doing this. I can't believe you're, you're protesting. And then I told her our story and some of the other things in our life. And she began to calm down and began to listen, and now I've, I've been with her in a couple different circles, and there, there's bridges being built, but, but I have to be careful because of just modeling it and not jumping into that arena where it's just barbs and personal attacks. I just got to keep boundaries around that. And then, you know, the last thing is w with people dishonorable, you got to extend mercy because Scripture says this. You know, in 1 Corinthians 6, it's 9 through like 11. It's, it's ouch stuff for me. Paul goes to list judgment on, on all kinds of sin. Liars, thieves, drunkards, da, da, he's listing the whole thing. You know, sexual sin, all that. He's listing it all and he's talking about these people won't inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. Well, I qualify. That's what I was before, but I've been saved. And so when Jesus looks at people, do you think he looks at potential or do you think he looks at where they are in the here and now? Do, do you think he looks ahead and says, this is who, what could happen to this person? This is who they could become? Well, then I'm going to close with that right now in, in this story. And this is Luke 17. And this is a guy named Zacchaeus. Anybody remember the tax collector named Zacchaeus? So ushers, can you help pass out a communion right now? We're going to take communion and we're wrapping it up. Here's Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was, was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd for he was small in stature and so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him for he was about to pass through the way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down now for today... I must stay in your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, whoever the they is, when they saw it, they all began to grumble. 
saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. He too is the son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, so backstory, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, and that means you work for the Roman government, but you're still a Jew. In other words, you're a traitor. You're a turncoat to your own cause. You're taking and collecting taxes from your own people, and they had a reputation of keeping extra for themselves and being greedy because the other Jews couldn't accuse them. They're backed by the Romans. So they had a reputation of being dishonorable and dishonest and all that. But something was going on in Zacchaeus' heart. There is maybe a hunger where he said, I heard about this Jesus guy, and I know this. Matthew, the tax collector, is on his team. He's one of the apostles. And Jesus picked Matthew, the tax collector. Maybe he'd want something to do with me. Maybe when I'm seeing the miracles and the stories I'm hearing that he's the Messiah, he saved Matthew, the tax collector. Maybe he could do the same thing for me. Maybe there's hope for me. And he climbs a tree, and I love this. It says Jesus is walking, and he saw him. He saw him. What do you think he saw? Greedy tax collector? Little rude tax collector? Tiny little man tax collector? You think that's how Jesus saw him? No, he said he's the son of Abraham. He went to his core identity. He said he's got value. He's the son of Abraham. I came to seek and to save those guys. I like it when Nathaniel, this is when Jesus was calling his disciples. It's the beginning of Matthew. And he calls, I think it was maybe Andrew first. And then Andrew says, hey, come, Nathaniel, I want you to meet this guy, Jesus. And so when Nathaniel's walking up to Jesus, Jesus says, behold, a true Israelite, there's no guile in him. And Nathaniel says, how do you know my life? And Jesus said this, when you were sitting under the tree, the fig tree, I saw you. It's the way he looks at people. Honor looks at people a different way. Jesus saw potential in Zacchaeus. He saw potential in Nathaniel. How do you think he looks at you and me this morning? He, he encourages us to walk in honor, to display honor. And I love this as we're about to take communion. Jesus said, those whom I love are approved and disciplined. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what did he say? I'll come in. I'll have dinner with you. Zacchaeus was thrilled. Here's Jesus, and he's coming to my house. And for somebody from that Middle Eastern culture, that's a huge deal. I don't know if Ami and Jessica are here. Are you guys here this morning? They, they have that that. Eastern style of hospitality. When you go to eat at their house, we were just there, they don't eat till you eat. They, they have this mindset, does that taste okay, pastor? Is that good, pastor? Is that hot enough, pastor? They have that hospitality. For Jesus to come to Zacchaeus' house, it's a huge deal. But Jesus saw him. And then he says this, hey, for you and me, he invites us to come and dine. He invites us into that place of communion. We're finishing passing out the elements. 
There's, there's a song by Torrin Wells called Known. That man, I, I've been listening to that and just thinking about to be fully known and still loved by God. It's an awesome thing, amen? He fully knows me. He knows my channels. He knows what's in my heart and when I'm frustrated and when I'm angry, when I'm bitter. He knows times where, you know, things are just frustrating and, and that, that mumbling and murmuring comes out of my heart. And I don't think he enjoys murmuring. He, Old Testament, bad things happen to murmurers. And so he, he knows my heart. And I just asked Lauren to sing this as, as uh, Lauren, I'm sorry, Jared. Okay. That's your sister. I get so. it all the time. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You look so much alike, I know. And so go ahead, Jared, sing that, would you? <laughs> so unusual, it's right. See right through the mess inside. You call me out. So pull me in and tell me I can start again And I don't need to keep on hiding Fully known And loved by you You won't let go No matter what I do It's not one or the other it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known, and loved by you, fully known, and loved by you. So I you to keep pursuing, so like me to go astray. my heart with your truth, the kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness, oh, 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 fully known, and love by you, Stand with me if you will. won't let go, no matter what I do, it's not one or the other, it's hard truth and Ridiculous grace to be known, fully known, and loved by you. I'm fully known, and loved by you. How real, how wide, how rich, how high is your heart? I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much. How real, how wide, how rich. How high is your heart? I cannot find the reasons why you give me so much. Fully know in love by you, you won't let go. No matter what I do, it's not one or the other. It's our truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known, and loved by you. I'm fully known, and loved by you. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for truth, Lord, hard truth and ridiculous grace, Lord. Thank you for both of those in our lives, Lord God. Truth that sets us free and grace that keeps us growing. I pray that, Father, as we take communion now, that first of all, where we've dishonored in our own life and maybe we're holding on to that, that today at the communion table, you might be able to just release people where you've sensed and felt dishonor. Because when that still has life and has strength and has energy in your life, that dishonor, it makes you hard, hard sometimes to honor other people. So, Father, we just give you that. We give you that. And we want to be able to honor freely. So before we take communion, just as a sign of honor, can you exchange your communion cup with somebody different around you? Just somebody different? Just as a sign of honor that we value you, I honor you because I value you. Noah, come here. Buddy, I honor you. It's been cool to watch you grow, see the gifts come out in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hey, Pastor Richard, come on up here. I'm going to have you pray over the juice, but I need a microphone. Jan, could you pass that? I know this is, this is quick, but I honor you, buddy for being my friend for a long time and a right-hand guy. And I couldn't do much of what I do without your friendship and your support and your help. So appreciate you tons. Yeah. Well, my heart's already a little wrecked. I love you. Father, I thank you, God, for this bread. Thank you for communion. Thank you for community. Lord, when we honor one another, it strengthens our community. It strengthens our relationships. I believe it keeps us in a position of being watered, keeps us fruitful, keeps us growing. So, Lord, we eat towards that. Thank you, Father, for food. Your word is food to us. We need correction, instruction from your word. We need your Proverbs, Lord. We need your wisdom. And we receive this bread saying yes to the wisdom you give us in Jesus' name. often think about the communion cup as for me it's a cleansing agent and um, about the times I've been dishonorable to people sometimes just with the Lord so um, I just want to repent before you and before the Lord forgive me when I've been dishonorable God just as we receive this cup Father God I, I, I would pray as we drink it down Lord those areas where we've been dishonored be washed away we give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. You know, in closing, sometimes I put up Revelation 3, 19 to 20. Maybe you're here this morning and you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And maybe it would be more appropriate to do that call before communion. But I tell you what, he said he stands at the door and knocks on your heart. You're surrounded by people that said yes to him and have let him in. And if that's you today and you just sense the Lord's knocking on your heart, like you need a fresh start, you need a new beginning, you can have that in Christ. He said, if any man be in Christ or woman be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I'm going to have our prayer team come up right now as we're dismissed. And if 
you need to just pray and you want to pray with me or somebody just to give your heart to Jesus or get right with Jesus, now we're going to be here for that. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, we'll pray for you to be filled. There's strength. You don't have to walk this Christian life powerless. There's power available to walk this life. And so if you just need prayer, ministry for healing, we're going to invite you to come. And the rest of you, I pray you have an awesome, awesome week and a chance to honor somebody and a chance to receive and walk in that honor. Amen. So, Father God, I just thank you as we go. Lord, we're entering the mission field, and I thank you that you make us ambassadors, uh, make us people that know you and walk with you. Lord, people that honor you and are able to show that honor to others. In Jesus' name.